Grace and Julie. All right, everybody, welcome to Competitive Literature, the podcast where we decide who is smart and who is bad based on our opinions of various books. Um, I'm Grace Freud. I'm Julie Greiner. Uh, and this week, we're talking about Hangs a Man by, I think it's Hangs a Man. I think that's how you pronounce <laughs> yes. it. Uh, there wasn't an audiobook version, so this week I'm, I'm out of luck there. Um, <laughs> by Shirley Jackson, the, yes. the famous. Uh, uh, horror novelist, um, recently played by Elizabeth Moss, to some acclaim. Um, not a lot, you know, she didn't get <laughs> <by that. laughs> a moderate got amount of acclaim. Any awards necessarily. <laughs> um, but we'll be speaking with, 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 with our, with our, with our guest. Uh, do you want to introduce our guest, Julie? Of course. Uh, you know her from the Teen Creeps pod, or perhaps you know her from her wonderful writing on Infinity Train. It's Lindsay Katai! Woo! Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Lindsay, what does this book mean to you? Well, I chose this book because I bought it forever ago, and <laughs> I love Shirley Jackson. I've read... Um, you know, The Haunting of Hill House, and I've read mm -hmm. What We, or We Have Always Lived in the Castle. I almost said What We Do in the Shadows. That's <laughs> Another different. classic by yeah. Shirley. <laughs> I do think We Have Always Lived in the Castle could be ripe for, like, a comedic interpretation. And I don't think it has gotten one quite yet, but certainly <laughs> someday. There's a lot of humor to all of Shirley Jackson's mm -hmm. work. Um, dark, dark humor. Mm -hmm. um, and... As I said to Julie, I was excited to do a podcast that isn't about teen horror as my podcast <laughs> is because um, it meant I got to choose a good book because I never make time to read good books because I'm constantly, I'm reading a book a week for my podcast. Um, so I chose it because I, I hadn't gotten around to reading it yet and I really, really wanted to. I love Shirley Jackson. I... Um, because I work in entertainment, it's advised that people have like an LLC or a C Corp so that they can claim more taxes <laughs> as a company rather than a human because that's how our government is set up. And I called my LLC Cup of Stars, which is a reference to The Haunting of Hill House. Um, Damn. This really lovely moment where uh, the main character stops at a diner and there's a little girl demanding her cup of stars that she usually drinks milk out of at home. And the main character is off to the side, like thinking to herself, yes, insist on your cup of stars. Never <laughs> let them give you anything else. The second you accept a regular cup is like <laughs> your psychic death kind of an Heck idea. Yeah. Wow. Um, so yeah, I, I called the company Cup of Stars. And so I was very excited to read this book and I am very glad I chose it because it is a very literary <laughs> work. Yeah. And it's, very Yeah, it confusing. made me feel very dumb, I, I will say. <laughs> it's a very controversial pick, I think. Because essentially this book is about how you can choose to not be gay. So... <laughs> <laughs> or think, is it? <laughs> I think that... This or, yeah, or choose to... I, who knows? Or it's or, like you accept that you're gay or you go crazy. Mm-hmm. Um... And I have my own personal... So I didn't know how vague this book was going to be <laughs> and how open to interpretation and how very, like, high school, college 
literature class it would be um it's perfect for the works podcast. for this podcast yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um i mean yeah it's so i story. have my personal interpretation and then we can talk about what you guys got out of oh, it. Yeah, at the end of the day you just need to choose who had the best interpretation yeah remember that um, exactly so, remember, so what i've decided one is, is right. yeah, one of us exactly. is incorrect on this um, yeah i am ultimately right and the one of you who gets the closest mm-hmm. to oh my correct interpretation will win the podcast <laughs> so oh boy let's let's start at the beginning shall we walk into the first act of this lovely it, building swirlman it's a vague book with a lot of you know postulating on life and whatnot but it also is kind of linear you know i will say yeah. that there's like the plot itself I think is easier to understand than like the characters, you know? Um, right. And There's, I mean, ultimately it is a story about a girl going to college, which yeah. we know that genre. Mm-hmm. It's, it's and TV doesn't like, like that perfect. genre really. So I understand why haunting of Hill house has been adapted. <laughs> but not the hangs of man yet. Um, it's, uh, so we, yeah, we've got Natalie. She, she lives in this, uh, this rich, cool, <laughs> cool mansion that she doesn't think is very cool, and she doesn't <laughs> think it's very great that she has rich parents necessarily. Um, and she does have a crazy, crazy dad, though. Yeah, so. a crazy kind of goofy dad. I I think my favorite moment with her dad is when he like sends her a letter at college and is basically like, "This is why a martini is important." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the thing about Natalie's dad is he talks that way about every single thing. Yes, though. It's not just yeah. like this is why a martini is important. He's like, this is why uh, being suicidal is important. Like, yeah. he yeah. says, everyone must yeah. have their suicidal phase, and it's yes. a very important rite of passage for a young woman in college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has like he's his like I mas- chose this college to make you miserable. For everyone must experience misery. He's like yeah. such a blowhard and he's also yeah. like everyone must experience a wonderful party so here, yes. <laughs> here's your yeah. first adult party for you two to hang out at and make sure you don't get into any any trouble and she pretty she immediately gets into quite quite a lot of trouble um but <laughs> yes. not to be like i i want to be clear because we're about to talk about the kind of trouble she gets into that it's that's not on her at all but she does like immediately start Ew. mischief you know, like she like is like oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like it's all it's like like it's stirring and like scary to like see her like adopt these different like kind of identities. Um, mm-hmm. But it also is kind of fun, and then it immediately all of a sudden turns into very not fun. Um, but at first, she's like going to these different um, friends of her father and her mother, um, and just kind of like. What if we did kind of a guess who situation? And I was just yeah. So her her dad has like a big old party Mm -hmm. full of like all of his uh, literary friends to discuss like the new books that are out. I know this is a weekly gathering. Oh yes, this is not her first adult party. It's made very clear because her mom is like she goes insane once a week trying to plan for these parties, but at the same time thrives in the stress of yeah. <laughs> pulling it off. Yeah. They both sort of have both of her parents 
sort of have their routine with this party where the mom goes insane trying to plan it and the dad every time is like like where's my lunch Uh, don't you have time to make me lunch today like before the party and every time she's like i'm preparing for the party and they play their little (laughs) she wasn't really invited until this time though like my understanding was like she was like in the background like in the house but not like in the mix yeah i think maybe she didn't get to drink yeah um and there was like a slight level of like he he implied that this was a different yeah i thought this like was the, like the a, before kind of college party but they definitely for, like, they definitely have these parties all yeah, the time but i thought that this was kind of like her first time she was like kind of invited to like be part participate as an adult you know what i'm saying mm, perhaps. well our first yeah. disagreement ever on the pod <laughs> at the top of the pod <laughs> the bells chime in the distance we're on the mat defending or our looked at another way this is what we're all right <laughs> Yeah, mm, we're all right together as of a as of a piece. Yeah, yes. One of us here is alt right, Um, and by that I mean an alternative (laughs) to right. You know, wrong. Um, Being wrong. (laughs) Alternative facts. But um, so yeah, she's at this party. Regardless, this is a party that is significant to her. Um, Yes, uh, and you're right. She is going around sort of trying on different. personas she also i think it's early on we learn that she's got this sort of second world in mm-hmm. her head which is an interesting thing to like read mm-hmm. on the paper and kind of parse as you're going through it yeah. um I, if it starts out with um she's like being uh, interrogated by like an inspect a police inspector mm-hmm. in her head right that's kind of the first narrative we see um, yeah, Natalie is constantly having a fantastical daydream, even as she's going about the rest of her life. Yeah, and I think... Yeah. And in this one, it's like, she was found, like, standing over the body of, yeah. of her boyfriend or something like yeah. that. And and there's a policeman trying to get her to detail her whereabouts. Yeah, she's in a little bit of, a, like, a Riverdale episode yeah. in her head. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, like... Um, which, I can't blame her. I feel like I would pass time with that, too. She, what's <laughs> most interesting about these, like, little um, flights of fancy are that, like, she she always has, like, huge moral implications there. Like, even when she's going through an incre- like an incredibly taxing moment in her real life, in her... I think fantasy she's often like I'm a bad person I I, I am like a beyond, <laughs> beyond saving I think she says a lot or something yeah to that it's effect, always a very intense which I feel like <laughs> yeah she's she's like I'm ever so complicated yeah, that's yes. how I felt when I was like 18 19 a lot like oh my god for sure I'm, oh yeah there's I'm, a lot yeah, in the yeah, story definitely yeah. Natalie <laughs> she I mean she kind of de- she describes herself as like I'm like whatever 17 but I've only been like awake since I was 15 or something like, like that yeah. and that's like such a yeah. relatable like, has she been like, on reddit like did she get red pill what's going on yeah <laughs> yeah she's clearly in this stage where she's like kind of thinking autonomously mm-hmm. and especially you know with the going to college thing separating from her mm-hmm. parents and her dad particularly who's a very controlling like intellectual influence mm-hmm. on her so she's like having these Constantly giving her writing prompts. Yes. Yeah. And this like weekly or or daily, correct me if I'm wrong. I yeah. like she has to bring a notebook to him possibly every morning filled with the results of the writing prompt he's given mm-hmm. her to practice her powers of description. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And 
Is the first one that she presents to him where she's written about him, or is that later in the in the book? Yeah, no, um, it's the it's the very first one she was tasked with doing a a, a rundown of his entire being. His and whole deal, sort of his whole like, shtick. Yeah, his whole deal. He's like, write about my whole deal, <laughs> and she does, and it's quite cutting that sounds like yes. something that i would have been told to do by a therapist when i was a teen in a psych mm-hmm. ward you know yeah. <laughs> just run down all yeah. of your feelings about your dad and just go, go through <laughs> yeah. the whole like, sure. <laughs> except the psych ward is also yeah. your dad and it's like <laughs> now yeah. read it back to me and then like there's a weird surreal kind of thing where he's like reading it and he's like well you've missed my like my selfishness so that's a problem and like he's just I would never refer to myself as handsome and I am therefore right and smarter than you he's like he's such a mind fuck at all yeah. times where it's like her. he's raised her to be the most precocious girl mm-hmm. who's ever existed mm-hmm. and yet he's mm-hmm. also He's just nagging her at every He's turn. He's training her to be Sherlock Holmes. He's training her to be Sherlock Holmes, but he's also convincing her that like any thought or direction or mystery she solved, if she does become Sherlock Holmes, is like actually all like comes yes. from him and is like his plan and it's like something he has placed yeah. into her <laughs> yeah for sure everything is like you are my creation my you are i am frankenstein yeah. and you are my it's like an intellectual <laughs> nepotism like but cruel it's like him saying yeah. like your mind is all because of me so anything you get that's from here you know yeah like, i shall take yeah. credit for in my yeah. heart of hearts like force yeah. nepotism few, it's fucked up yeah. there are a few letters he writes to her later when she's at school where he addresses her in like a like a little bird like caged princess kind of way that like yeah is that was freaky. the weirdest one for <laughs> me I was just, that he's being a little uh Icky. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, obsessed icky. with his yeah. daughter. He's obsessed with his daughter. He, the way he writes to her reminds me a lot of, um, and I don't know if you guys were obsessed with this as I was, of like the way Aaron Paul wrote about his girlfriend on Instagram. <laughs> he would always Unfamiliar. like... Unfamiliar. <laughs> go back and look. It's a, it's a disturbing delight. Aaron Paul, of course, being uh, Jesse Pinkman from Breaking Bad. He like would post pictures of her and be like my little bird a gorgeous like woman like in her element and then she got pregnant and he's like i can't believe my little bird like has, has the power to do it so fragile so oh, fragile no. yeah like and she's got this life inside of her and i can't believe are they it's still so together weird that is i think they are I, I i haven't checked in in a while because after a certain point i was like my threshold for this is is over <laughs> i just watched a video not too long ago that was a tour of their house and it's like a straight up log cabin and is gorgeous Ooh, and in maybe he's trying to make her feel yeah. at home in a, in, as if in she's a tree. She's got a little nest. <laughs> yeah, she's a little bird. <laughs> yeah. That would have been great if you were like, oh, yeah. I can tell if, like, there are oh, birds this everywhere. man is a weirdo, or it's like, oh, this man is bad at poetry. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, I, and, and it's, yeah. it could just totally be like a... a a weird translation to like <laughs> like some it comes across insane sure. written down but maybe they really interact that way i don't know <laughs> but anyway that's what the letter uh, natalie's father's letters reminded me of um so we've i think we've pretty much 
covered uh, yeah. what he's and like. And now we have to enter <laughs> and so, the bad part. The yeah. party. <laughs> yeah. The party. Yeah, the bad part. Um, so Grace kind of already brought up that she's going around this party. There's people to talk to. Who's that? Oh, there's one woman who's great. Um, Verna. I Verna. Think of, Verna's great. I will say, so, but before we <laughs> get... What, what get into name? like the 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 dark part we're heading mm-hmm. into we're about to describe get into you know a sexual assault thing so if you mm-hmm. want to yes. if heads you, up this, that happens and you know if you want to fast forward um the 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 rest of the book deals with the impact of that but is not like you know maybe as triggering so i think you could probably yeah. listen to a lot of this episode but just FYI, yeah. that's what we're about to talk about in a it's, few minutes. Yeah, it's coming up. Um, it's not described yeah. at all and never explicitly yeah. stated. So you don't have to worry about like, yeah, anything Yeah, but it graphic. does. We will be talking about like kind of the impact and like what leads up to it. So just FYI. Yeah. Right. And maybe we'll try and uh, when we go back and listen to this, maybe we'll try and find like a timestamp yeah. that like you can yes. head yeah. to um, once we're kind of done talking about it. But uh, anyway, so that's coming up. Um uh, but honestly, did, what we just said is already more graphic than yeah. what yeah, you see well, in the book. Yeah, if you're yeah, thinking about I mean, reading the, like, the book. There's, but also, I mean, she gets... If you could handle us saying that, you're yeah, probably going to be I guess, okay. but there is some, like, lead up, this man leading her and, like, stuff. You know, like, there is, like... Yeah, there's, the there's, goof, there's lead the up and there's that, also yeah. psychological, like, aftermath if you don't want to deal with that What either. Lindsay is saying is yeah. you should just tough it out. You know, <laughs> like just fucking man up because manhood yeah. is the height of strength. Yeah, yeah. I we like all, how I just said yeah. tough it we out. We all agree, Lindsay. You upped it to let's make it a sex thing. Like, <laughs> Why was the one already being yeah. an asshole? Turn it up. <laughs> Lean in, as Cheryl Strayed says, or whoever. <laughs> Or did she write yeah, wild? I think Cheryl I don't know. Sandberg. Who? Or, I mean, she's the, yeah. The Facebook. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. How do you think yes. she That's, would interpret this novel? Because I would say that I think Natalie does lean in a bit at, at points into into darkness, but like, um, I think we should at all all points question whether in. we yeah. are leaning yeah. in as Cheryl yeah. would want us to I lean think in. We all have Indeed. been leaning um, in throughout this podcast, you know, just like really going for yeah. our opinions and just like really yes. really believing in ourselves. So I think that Cheryl Sandberg would be proud of us. All right, should we get yeah, to the, kind the of rich party that you guys have <laughs> So she's at a party. She's trying mm-hmm. to figure out who she is. And she gets trapped in this conversation with a very old man. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't really want to be in the conversation. She zones out a lot throughout the whole book. And yeah. and he's like been saying something. And she's like, sorry, what? And she decides to be very honest. He's like, oh, weren't you listening? What were you thinking about? And she goes, how wonderful I am. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. Good for yeah. you. Yeah. However, this man takes it as the worst sort of invitation, leads her by the hand out to the yard. Mm-hmm. The and whole time she's sort of internally like, "Let's 
hope that this isn't going where it's going. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's pretty, it's clear and yet not at all that he does assault her in the yard. Mm-hmm. And she just keeps referring to it for the rest of the book, if she refers to it at all, as the bad thing that didn't happen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The whole next day, basically, her whole MO is that she's trying to not accept or like forget that it happened just kind of move past it she starts to think about her life as like if i can just like get far enough away from this then i'll be far away from it (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. and i i'm just wondering have therapists ever thought of this because it seems like a good strategy and i've never had one of my therapists be like pretend it didn't happen (laughs) run away and it works out really (laughs) well for natalie it works out really well yeah. for her. So it's like, maybe therapists should consider giving that yeah, advice. I don't hear that enough from people is to just, just block Bring it out. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so she, that's what she does. The, ne- the whole next day, she's like, uh, obviously in a weird state. Um, but it's but she's also bruised. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's def- it was definitely a violent kind of encounter. And yeah. nobody says anything Does about her, it. I, yeah, nobody says anything. There's no There's indication no, that like a super waspy it. family. So it's entirely possible they know mm. about it, but it's like worse. It's worse yeah, to talk like, about it like than the, the actual rail. event itself. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe they're like, maybe there's some disappointment. Mm-hmm. Like they, they accepted her into this community. They were like, now is your time to, to, to join us as as an adult in these conversations and and she i like i think you know maybe they think that was a fuck up i don't know i mean that's yeah, certainly I mean, wrong but i i wonder i wonder if they actually i would think that even if they did like they, their conclusion would be that the the, the best the thing to do is to not talk about it so i <laughs> so it's, yeah. whether they know about it or not this is probably what would be happening <laughs> um is this just and kind of certain tacit like yeah quiet <laughs> certainly this was a, in when we were still at the height of rape culture mm-hmm. in which case it like yes it, it's like well you did something to invite that upon yourself and that's the sort of like assumption Mm -hmm. and why she doesn't talk about it she blames herself to an extent and yet because she won't even tell us the reader what happened we don't really know if she's like well it was my fault Mm -hmm. or if she truly just like doesn't want to think about it yeah it's better to just like she wants to keep it as undefined as possible maybe so that she has a harder time remembering it um yeah just like not not throw it into any relief um um but luckily Mm -hmm. for her i mean i guess not luckily in (laughs) any of this but (laughs) but like she is starting college and i she sees that in the book it's clear she sees that as like an opportunity to get away like start fresh so um does that happen Hmm, we'll we'll see Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, she starts fresh but is that the best uh, thing uh, for her (laughs) questionable yeah yeah, therein lies the problem but it's weird to me kind of how like looking at the rest of the book it's almost structured like an eat pray love sort of thing (laughs) because like she's looking for validation from other people and like 
And then eventually she realizes she has to find it in herself. <laughs> and like, many horrific things happen in it, between it, that. <laughs> but I do think, you know, like general, like this is kind of like a horror twist on Eat, Pray, Love. It does feel like if it, if it is an Eat, Pray, Love, it's, a, it's an Eat, Pray, Love she like kind of gives up on really quickly because she meets the people at her school and, and, and instantly is like, I will not be engaging with these these people (laughs) but much uh, like when i went to spain with a bunch of strangers to take care of a language credit in college and did not come out of my room and decided that was the time in which to read all the harry potter books that were currently (laughs) out so does natalie behave in the same way we all do our weird thing when we get to college (laughs) and we don't have friends and we don't know what to do, so we go to the gym and we start running seven miles every day and only eating one kind of food. It's fine. It's <laughs> we fine. all do our it's thing. Coping. <laughs> you guys should have had more fun. There's a lot of fun stuff to do. Yeah, I wish like, the, I you, you Grace, I wish you had been around cool in those crucial first transitional months. I just needed someone to be like, yeah. Hey. <laughs> could be you could have been, you know, eating pizza. Actually, honestly, I was a real Peggy, so, yeah. except for this trip to Spain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I will I say I never like, to this day. I your, your suggestion to eat pizza. I still never once ate the pizza in my college uh, cafeteria, and I think about it all the time. I should have done that. <laughs> you should have taken the shot. Should have sh- just shot my <laughs> shot. You missed your, shot your shot. You missed your shot. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the, well, eat I the think pizza, like kids. Natalie, you know she 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 might break herself off from these people, but I still think she's like because I have not found kinship, I have not really found like what i'm supposed to be doing which Mm -hmm. i think is like a very universal feeling or like a common feeling in in college i know i i even though i had friends (laughs) i felt like i hadn't i didn't have sorry even though i had no even though though i I was cooler (laughs) even though i had some friends it was like i was like i'm i don't have this like best like friend that I'm constantly texting Mm -hmm. that is just insanely close to me that I see every day no matter what and to Mm -hmm. me that meant that I I was my social life was hollow so Mm -hmm. and you know luckily for Natalie she finds that person yes Uh, quite the journey there's a few characters question mark for Natalie (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's that's the thesis of the book luckily question mark question Natalie Um, but she spends some time in a bit of a different uh, social arrangement before that before she gets Mm -hmm. to this person so um, I guess is there anything else we want to talk about her college before we move into like the the kind of friendship situation that she finds for a while um well before we get to this relationship just to kind of mm-hmm. intro the ra- relationship because so i'm gonna read the back of the book real quick mm-hmm. just because i have notes for it great <laughs> 17 year old natalie Waite longs to escape home for college her father is a domineering and egotistical writer who keeps a tight rein over natalie and her long-suffering mother When Natalie finally does get away, however, college life doesn't bring the happiness she expected. She becomes infatuated with a married professor and feels lost and overwhelmed. Little by little, Uh, Natalie is no longer certain of anything, even where reality ends and her dark imaginings begin. Chilling and suspenseful, (laughs) Hangs a Man is loosely based on the real-life disappearance of a Bennington College sophomore in 1946. Okay. 
So just a, a brief intro to her future friendship, for which I have perhaps different thoughts than the back of this book. I was going to say, book. now that's an interesting way to describe the progression mm-hmm. of that relationship. <laughs> an interesting... I, um, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, because it's a little bit different from my perspective. <laughs> and I believe you guys are on uh, the same page as me. Yeah, so the the uh, professor they talk about her becoming infatuated with um, is Arthur Langdon, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that I agree with that description of um, yeah, how things progress. Yes, but no. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think surely it starts in that place because ever it seems like everyone has a little bit of like a crush on this teacher. Mm-hmm. Like he's the hot teacher. The, I don't know how old he is, but maybe he seems younger than the others. Do you think when deans like are like hiring professors, they're like, we got to get a new hot one. Yeah, you know? like they have to have more than yeah. one. Jacob moved on. We need one. Got to have know? the whole set. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have the like... Yeah. The pretentious um, philosophy teacher who hates that he's teaching girls. Also, like, oh, yeah. maybe it wasn't, like, the best idea to start a college that is an entirely female student body mm-hmm. and entirely male faculty. Yes. Because I feel like that is a recipe for disaster. That sounds like almost like an idea for, like, a, a, like a really cut-rate porno. Like, just like... <laughs> <laughs> just like from the least imaginative pornographer like yeah. okay so ooh, what would it be sexy if all the teachers were men and all the students thing. were ladies and they all got all goopy together you know? <laughs> I love the yeah. lip smacking character you've invented for this <laughs> I, listen, porn and sex work is great. I was imagining like a seventies style, like yes, but this hairy guy chest, like yeah. big goal, like just like yeah. kind of a piece of shit porno director from like the seventies. That's what that yeah, character sure. was. Not a twenty twenty one. And, I, and, I, sex, and, I, sex and I was very impressed by it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it does seem like a recipe for disaster, and you know. <laughs> we kind of see the result of that recipe um, mm. because Arthur's wife, uh, Ka- Catherine, am I for- no, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yeah. I don't know what <laughs> I thought Catherine. Um, but so her wife, his wife, Elizabeth, was a student um, like only a couple years probably before. Uh, uh, if that even, maybe if just If that even, year. Natalie was because they imply that she probably would have been at school with Natalie if she hadn't yeah, been married. Yeah, because Elizabeth is 21 and Natalie is um, 17. Is yeah, just I, a warning. The oldest, older ca- female character in this book is 21. <laughs> so, oh, except for old Nick, the oh, like, house, house mother. Nick, the house think, mother. Who's probably 30. I think that probably it's 30. Um, cool how in like back in the day, if you married a professor that was teaching you, you just got a degree. So you didn't have to, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't yeah. have to finish school. I think yeah, that was an a good honorary deal. doctorate yeah. in being a wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can imagine like a son like giving a eulogy for his mom and like trying to be nice about how she was a stay-at-home mom and being like she didn't go to college but she did get a master's degree and <laughs> being a mom. Being my you know? mom. <laughs> 
that she was like, a PhD in mothering. Yeah. Every day she excelled in, in all the classes, mm-hmm. <laughs> making me food, <laughs> uh, putting me to bed. Uh, wow. I love that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, so she Natalie is- like already has a crush on Arthur. And then is very randomly befriended by his young wife, Elizabeth. Yeah, she kind of... I think they literally have a, have a meet-cute. <laughs> they, they, they do. Bump, they into run each other. into each other. A very rom com meet-cute. Uh, Natalie, like, drops all her books. <laughs> and then uh, Elizabeth has... I think they have, like, an on-campus sort of house. Um, like, a faculty yeah, it's like house. like, all the faculty lives on campus. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth invites her to come... In and at that point, Natalie's just sort of uh, painfully aware that like this is Arthur's house. Like he maybe touched this doorknob like every day. Like, the warmth of his palm <laughs> turns this, this doorknob kind of like like in internal musings. Um, Traces of him everywhere. Yes, <laughs> and she's just like I mean it's kind of uh, everyone has that weird feeling of like seeing where their teacher lives like that is such a weird regardless of whether you have a crush on your teacher or not it's such a strange thing to see uh the daily uh life of someone you see in a really specific capacity. i've never had that experience mm-hmm. I, I you just said everybody <laughs> like, has i've never been invited back for a whiskey <laughs> okay that was not my college experience personally <laughs> well i meant everyone more like the feeling of seeing a teacher in the wild in some way although i do have two stories of of going to a teacher's house one is that my ap chemistry teacher in high school threw a party at the end of the year after the ap test was over for the for the kids and he had a mansion with a tennis court wow yeah and when we got there his twin brother opened the door (laughs) and let us all in (laughs) did you run did you run away did you leave (laughs) No, but I just thinking back, it's so bizarre. And the we don't really know where his money came from. We just know that he used to work in the pharmaceutical industry. Oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> Is he the guy who bought insulin? Julie, I'm so sorry to inform you, but like that actually wasn't your life. That took place yeah. in this book. <laughs> Yeah, you're kind of going in this, <laughs> Julie like a has, fucking twin has anyone told you recently mansion. Julie that you are kind of going insane you are <laughs> kind of detaching from reality a little bit I mean this I whole like time it. we've been talking I've been I've been having a separate conversation with a, a handsome detective who's accused me of stealing a jewel but uh, no otherwise I don't feel like I'm that similar to this character but whatever um, I'll part but yeah so that was um that was in high school and then in college um i had a teacher who asked me and a few students to like be the coat people like door people at his big holiday party at his oh wow house, that's which like I a think, sitcom promise <laughs> yeah and he yeah. was like his house also i can't remember what movie it is maybe it's like an are there multiple Nightmare on Elm Street? Yes, there are a number of Nightmare on Elm <laughs> okay. Street. Okay. I think it was the house. It's in Burbank. Oh, like, okay. that was used to film one of those, and he was very proud of that fact. And we, like, worked the door for that night and, like, met a bunch of animation people. So, <laughs> a bunch of people who did Lion Kings and so, stuff. So, did you, were you paid? <laughs> Ooh. We were paid, yeah. But later I've been back as like, you know, a friend, like a graduate, a friend, but I was not paid. But but at that time, yeah, we were paid and it was so 
interesting to like walk into a professor's home and then also be like, may I get your coat, ma'am? Was it a big house? <laughs> For all of his friends. It's, yeah, it's got like a big backyard and sort of like a back house area. The like house itself is not huge. It's kind of cozy feeling, but the like land behind it makes it feel bigger mm, sort of. Okay. So. Now I've described that professor's house in detail. What's the address? Um, I, I think our fans would like wonder- to check it out. <laughs> A wonderful experience, um, but yeah. So I guess I maybe I, I did subconsciously think everyone had visited their college professors' homes. Um, I was so to be fair, <laughs> I was invited once, okay. um, but I didn't go because I thought it would be weird. But a lot of my friends went and had a good time. Okay, so I don't know. I was being neurotic about it. No, that's fair. Sometimes when you go to a professor's <laughs> or a teacher's house, like their identical twin opens the door. So <laughs> sometimes that blows my mind. <laughs> yeah. I just think it would be so odd for a high school teacher, maybe not a college I agree. professor. That makes sense. Looking back, but a high I agree. school teacher to invite teens, their students to their house for a party. Mm-hmm. Unless they're like had a kid that went and to the I, school and it was like their birthday party or something. Yes. And I think it was, I have to... I really can't remember. I think it may have also been like, I don't know if everyone uh, indulged, but I think it was like a pool party too, which no. makes it way weirder. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 said, no, no when good, you bad. said in, yeah. <laughs> no good, very bad. <laughs> when you said indulge, Julie, I, know, I, I really thought you were going to say booze. Yeah, like, no, 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 like, no. <laughs> but I mean, it had yeah, a tennis court, so I feel like there had to, it had to have been a pool party. I have to ask my Was f- it bikinis <laughs> only? If so, you could call the police, I think. Anyway, so... Let's move on. <laughs> Isn't uh, it weird how, like, not to, not, no, I'm not going to move on for a second. Isn't it weird how, <laughs> Excuse me while I dig my heels in. Like, a one-piece swimsuit is, like, very conservative. A yeah. two-piece swimsuit is, you know, like, that. a bikini, more floppy around. But, like, if you had, like, a three-piece or four-piece swimsuit, like, the more pieces you add on after that, I think it becomes <laughs> even less risque than a one-piece swimsuit. Like I guess I because like for sure because it it's like you've got the bikini to... with the tankini over yes. it or something. Yeah, something like Tankinis that. Tankinis are big, man. What a development. Mm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess because it's after you have two pieces, when you keep adding more, then you're just putting the one piece back together. You're yeah. You're basically putting clothes on. Yeah. yeah. You're, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's putting the puzzle together. It's like you had a one piece, which I was very grateful yeah. for. <laughs> I was grateful for like when they had like feminine board shorts started to be a thing. I was yes. really excited yes. about that. Um, Same. But but anyway, uh, so she goes so to Arthur's Elizabeth house. Elizabeth doesn't just invite like her to a pool party. Imprinted everywhere. And thus begins the no, but yeah, it's much and thus worse. begins the extremely interesting and weird dynamic between Natalie and that couple and the other students that interact with that couple. <laughs> um, Vicky and Anne, who I hate. <laughs> yeah, um, I think. Yeah, I don't think they're there. Oh, they do come there. Maybe the first time she's over there, that they're, they're not there yet. Yeah. yeah. They're not there when but she's... they arrive. ...enters, but they implore her to stay until these other students get here. Um, and Elizabeth asks uh, Natalie to have a drink, and then that turns into several drinks, and it becomes clear that, like, Elizabeth does this a lot, uh, just kind of drinking at home. Um, and 
uh, Natalie finds herself getting kind of buzzed <laughs> pretty quickly because she's not used to drinking this much. Um, well, he gives her like in the end like something like five or six martinis. Yeah, yeah. She's well, and, and that that's what I'm insane. saying. Is she starts drinking before he gets there because Elizabeth just keeps kind of refilling the glass, and then once the Arthur gets home, and then these other students arrive that are supposed to visit. Um, there's just more and more and more. <laughs> God, that's so much booze, too. And, like, I feel like, you know, I'm sober now, but I feel like the martini phase of my life was an especially dark phase of drinking. <laughs> like, it Same. just, it tastes like a Sharpie, you know? Like you're just <laughs> putting yourself through that. Yeah. Yeah, I've it, ruined a couple of weddings that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it certainly doesn't seem to be a particularly bright spot for either Elizabeth or Natalie. <laughs> Um, and okay, so yeah, Vicky and Annie—is that what it Anne. is? Anne. So there are these other two students that are also clearly in love with uh, Arthur, and are just particularly Anne. Like it's yeah. definitely Anne and Arthur are fucking. Mm. Yeah, and Vicky see, the is the weird <laughs> like element of the equation where she clearly is like helping Anne. Like yeah, orchestrate all these, these situations where like they can be alone. To, it's very bizarre. They like work together to like make sure that Anne can have Arthur. <laughs> um, and they clearly hate and Elizabeth, Elizabeth knows it. And they're Elizabeth like knows. very, it's like the second Arthur leaves the room, Elizabeth is like trying to steal my man. Are we? <laughs> yeah. They talk about it like in plain English. They don't, beat around the bush she's like I-, I hope you have better luck this year or whatever they they just openly yeah. discuss it <laughs> um which stressed me out uh and probably I, natalie was kind of just taking it all in and sort of invited into this scenario without wanting to be there and then yeah. now a part of this it's like very it's like who's afraid of virginia wolf <laughs> elizabeth yeah. is like Let's add some more into the mix. I can take all these bitches. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Elizabeth is in quite a state. She's like, you just try it. Just try anything. Have another girl. I don't know. Like, whatever. I'm going to just keep drinking and setting my house on fire. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is apparently a thing she does with some frequency because she keeps forgetting that she's smoking or falling asleep while she's smoking. Um, yeah, and one she like almost burns the kitchen down cooking, and then a couple of times she falls asleep while smoking. Mm-hmm. So she's doing great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Elizabeth is thriving. <laughs> Elizabeth is thriving. Definitely she's, a good idea that she stayed around. <laughs> yeah, at so this it's college. It's, it's definitely not uh, affecting her adversely in any way that she went so quickly from being a student like kind of in her prime and having this like fun secret affair with a teacher and then now she's kind of on the outside looking in the dynamic has shifted but she's still like basically the same age as these people it's it's uh and she's going to faculty meetings now with the people that she used to call her or like faculty dinners with the people she used to see as teachers and she thought it would all be grand and it's everyone's kind of like why'd you bring your kid you know yeah. <laughs> oh, what's going on like, oh, we remember her from last year <laughs> elizabeth is very much living the life that natalie's mother warned her not to live mm-hmm. yeah natalie's mother is like do not get married it's a trick yeah and i mean 
Yeah, she has these emotional, or maybe this one really emotional conversation with her mom before she leaves for college. And then she sort of has echoes of that conversation with Elizabeth as well. So she, I'm sure she sees uh, the parallels between these two women who like, in moments of privacy, say these like deeply sad things to her. <laughs> um, uh, and it's funny how quickly like, seeing this dynamic sours her on Arthur completely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, which is good. I w- it it would have been hard to continue reading the book if, like, on top of everything, she was also like, and I still want it. <laughs> yeah, it would be kind of like yeah. a bad girls club sort of thing. Like, yeah. everybody's there, <laughs> like, stirring shit up, like, fucking each other over, like, causing a scene. Yeah. And it's fascinating the way the whole group wants Natalie to be their ally. Mm. Yes, and Natalie is constantly trying to make a decision. She's like, okay, am I on Elizabeth's side and I hate them? And it's like, sometimes she is doing that and like, fuck Anne and Vicky. Right. But then sometimes she like, open. she's like, I can't decide what I'm going to be. And then at one point she does decide and she literally describes herself as a mercenary. Yeah. And so she's just <laughs> going wherever, like whoever seems strongest at a gi- given moment, that's who she's allied with. Yeah, because in moments she hates them all. She certainly hates Elizabeth mm-hmm. sometimes um, and resents what Elizabeth sort of sees her as. Like she can feel that Elizabeth like kind of is like reaching out to her as a potential ally. And like in those moments, she's kind of like, I don't know if I'm that. <laughs> Even though she, like, you know, like you said, she goes back and forth. So she it's a very interesting dynamic. And like she's always hovering sort of in this flexible role on the outside of it and constantly evaluating everyone um and for that reason everybody wants her around Mm -hmm. because she's she's useful uh she i mean she becomes i i guess we can go ahead and talk about when i guess i'm trying to think if i hop over too much stuff if we talk about when elizabeth comes to that party I don't think um, so because everything yeah. else is just like dreamy depression. It's all yeah. feelings. Of like it's all like Natalie. Yeah. It's all. Yeah, it's, it's just it's imagine Natalie observations of like the weirdness of being human. Yeah. I just imagine sorry, like a bunch of, of calendar pages like kind of flipping into the sky and like Natalie like with her yeah. face at a window <laughs> and like Natalie alone in like the cafeteria and like just thinking about people all the time getting letters from her dad. Um but this this relationship is the main thrust of like what's going on during that time. So we can go ahead. Um, and they set up their place to impress Arthur. And like Natalie is, is, as always, sort of a cursory part of this. But she's very proud of the cheese and crackers that she's brought. That was all. Yes. That what, I were things it's that like hard to get back then? Was it like, <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've obtained. I think it's just like they're broke crackers. college students. They can't yeah. really set up a yeah. house. Right. Like, so they're it's not, like they didn't already have all these nice matching glasses for for drinks and so they had to borrow glasses from other girls who like were prepared for that occasion yeah um it's just kind of very much using natalie as a tool yes in this moment like i don't really know why they want me here and then later it's like very clear why they want her there (laughs) and it's it's a plan so clearly and successfully executed like as it goes on you're like yeah it's it's clear that it was intentional diabolical yeah so basically they invite um arthur and elizabeth over to like stop by their dorm and elizabeth 
clearly also understood exactly what was going on here because she tried to schedule something after this party that they would have to like run to um so so as like not to stay very long and of course arthur immediately is like oh maybe we can like maybe we can hang and doesn't he say oh right when he gets in he really like shoves his whole foot right up in his his mouth and is like yeah uh Hey, hey, it looks like you changed the place a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> looks like this place doesn't look like and a Natalie clocks this anymore. like. Mm? <laughs> yeah. Natalie's just like, you are so just stupid. You've been here yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. Why would you do that? And Elizabeth clocks it too, for sure. And even more so is then like, yeah, so anyway, yeah. we actually do have We've this dinner um, thing afterwards yeah. that we are going to, we're going to have to run. Our, our um, friend's kid is in a play and it's like very important to them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're doing <laughs> our town or something. It's the whole big thing. We got to go. So that, uh, <laughs> a allocation of how the Grinch stole Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, Never been yeah. done before yeah. <laughs> from the novel of, the, of yeah. the Grinch. This is the first time um, <laughs> m- music has been introduced to the Grinch story, so it's supposed to be really great. <laughs> but she's got this whole scenario planned out that, like, she hoped could be like an escape rope, but unfortunately, and Vicky refuses <laughs> to drink at first. She's like, yes. "Oh, none for me, thanks." It's crazy. I really then, do. <laughs> I want to see this scene played out. I don't know if there is a film or any adaptation of this, but I want to see this scene just in the way she like sits down in this chair and like does not move for like 20 minutes and like they like offer her drinks. She just kind of like shakes her head like she knows the game is on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she is um, doing her damnedest. Mm-hmm. She like she holds this drink. She does not drink it. And then they keep insisting that the drink is weak. And so she does drink it. And then they keep forcing more drinks mm-hmm. on her until by the end of the night, she has fallen asleep in the chair. And they're all doing, putting on this big show like, ugh, I can't believe she did this again. And right. I'm sitting and I mean, there in front of the book like, fuck you guys, you did this. You totally. Did this. And there is, it's, I mean, it's even more diabolical because she does she has shown that she does do this at home and she maybe has some issues with drinking. Um, and so they know this and they intentionally like they they put her in the situation in this case, mm-hmm. knowing that like Arthur would get frustrated because he's already frustrated with this issue. And it just all goes so perfectly and they manipulate him perfectly. They manipulate her. And it's it's uh, well, I also felt like Arthur. Was yeah, in yeah. On it. I think that Arthur. Right. That's I think Arthur true. was in. Yeah, They're all putting on a play in front of Arthur Natalie. was enjoying that makes sense. the experience almost. Like he was like, "Oh yeah, that's this is tonight." He's cool. like relishing. Glad you guys are finally yeah. doing this. Right. Oh yeah, I forgot that he the whole time he's sort of like. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've forgotten how every time Elizabeth brings up the thing that they're supposed to go to, he's kind of like, "No, we can be late." So yeah, it is it. He seems to have known from the beginning, like we were never going mm-hmm. to a second mm-hmm. location. Um, but then, yeah, they they do all make a big to do once Elizabeth is. The way we're out. talking about this is interesting because it's like we're talking about it like it's a Dateline murder, you know? Like they knew they were, <laughs> that they were never intending to go time. to a second location. Bubba, they were never to arrive yeah. at that party. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, we the, it, it is like. Carried out with the intensity of just like they, they like got their target. Surgical <laughs> precision. Yeah. 
Uh, the so whole point I, is to get Elizabeth so drunk that Natalie specifically has to take her home because they know that Natalie is the closest Elizabeth has to a friend in this setup. Yeah, and they all kind of do this like, th- like looking around the room, like, well, I guess I can't really take her. Like, like couldn't be me. And and Arthur's like, well, I'm I'm mad at her, so it can't be me either. Because like, you know, yeah, I, if you're I, mad at your bad. drunk, passed out <laughs> wife, you can pretty much just leave her anywhere. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. them's the rule. Like, oh, so that means you can't. They're all like, so that means you can't take her, and you can't take her, and you can't. T- I guess Natalie, you're going to have to carry her home. And Natalie's like, oh, I mean, okay. the math here <laughs> says it, it must be you. I just I'm the, doing the, the math on the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Natalie sees through this, but she understands at this point what her role was supposed to be the whole time. And she's like, all right, I guess I'm doing this. Like, oh, it's so um, nice that you guys thought of a part for me. Like, I'm so glad yeah, to be included. Yeah. In a way, she's like, I guess I, I'm important in a certain sense. Uh, so she does help uh, Elizabeth home. And I think maybe even, like, Vicky helps her for a little bit. Like, out They get them the, out the door. Out the door. Yeah. And then Vicky's like, all right, so from here on out, you're good. And then, like, <laughs> clearly, like... Uh, Natalie can't carry her on her own and she's like yeah it looks like you're great I'm gonna go um but uh uh, Elizabeth sort of comes to enough to walk herself the rest of the way and uh there's a sad little moment where Natalie tucks her into bed (laughs) um and I remember her thinking something like oh they they have two separate beds and Natalie's like oh it's sad when they do it because Elizabeth's young and Arthur and they're both young and hot. Like I knew my parents did it, but when young hot people do it, like, damn. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. I think young hot people (laughs) should be fucking, you know, like I think we could all agree. Young hot people gotta fuck, you know, but you know, yeah, you have to make more young hot people. That could be the realization that sends her further down this sort of like spiraling path. It's like if if young hot people then what matters, you know? (laughs) (laughs) What matters? What hope is there for us? That's when she considered. (laughs) That's when she, I think, starts briefly considering theoretically, in a metaphorical sense, to be gay. Um, and that's, I think, when we enter the gay part of the book, um, which, which, is, which is great. Yeah, the part you always hope is coming, but don't know yeah. is for sure or not. And then I'm going to sit back a bit for the rest of the plot description, mm-hmm. because it is from this point on that there is my personal correct interpretation Sorry. of the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and I don't mm-hmm. want to influence or give away what that interpretation is. Okay. So okay. you guys continue and I will just keep my comments for later oh during the okay. test portion. So I guess <laughs> All right. So then I guess the third <laughs> act then that we'll just kind of go through the main plot points of is I this call- I call this act Tony, Tony, Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and I refer to it as the Tony Awards. <laughs> mm. We all have hey. our name for it. <laughs> it's just important that we all name it. <laughs> but anyway, so there's this other relationship in her life that forms kind of the second or the last part of the book. Um, and it's when she meets Tony. Do you want to? I feel like I'm talking a lot. Do you want to go into it, Grace? 
Tony is, um, you know, a kind of a weirdo, like a recognized <laughs> weirdo. You yeah. know, like everybody, I think, on campus, like, sees her as, you know, kind of out of sync with other people. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a revulsion against that, but also kind of like, I think people do kind of respect her in a weird way. Like, they're like, hmm, Tony's going to do what Tony's going to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think that um, Natalie is really attracted to the idea of kind of molding herself um, alongside T- Tony's path, like walking walking with her now. Yeah, there's a curiosity um, about yeah, this, this uh, peripheral character. <laughs> and it uh, and it and 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 they quickly go on a trip together. So <laughs> a bit of a walkabout. Yeah, they they you know they they're fast friends. Yeah, um, I. The whole time I was not sure, and I'm still not sure if Tony exists. <laughs> that was kind of my read on it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I I still don't know if I've made up my mind, but to me it felt like she appears for the first time in like letters to her to um, uh, her dad. I think she mentions like there's this girl Tony who's like kind of weird, and no one talks to her. I think I'm gonna mm-hmm. meet her, um, and just the way that everyone interacts around them and about them like the curiosity later when uh Mm -hmm. natalie goes to tony's room it just feels like there's something weird going on and um so there's a part of me that felt like maybe she's not real or there's some sort of projection going on or i don't know i think tony exists i think that the way that tony is written around um is you know a kind of uh Matt, like the the foreshadowing of it is of like Tony, you know, being lost in the woods, never to be found again. Yeah, Tony's described um, as and, a moving tree a few times. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, think, I think that description, how Shirley Jackson paints Tony as a character, kind of like mirrors like the feelings that we have when. When a, when someone in real life that we're close to like either dies or goes missing, you know, like mm-hmm. they're they're real and they're also ethereal because mm-hmm. they are no longer a part of our life and we no longer have evidence, you know, right. that they they are real. So like we have photos and stuff, but we don't have those continuing interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of like a doomed relationship from the start because we're already talking about her like as this 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 creature that's fading away yeah well and regardless of what her exact like metaphysical nature is there's a lot of these like uh moments where she's described as like on the fringes like that that, at this one party that uh she meets up with tony it's like oh she's not invited in like she's like she emerges from the woods uh it seems like Tony kind of represents something that other people don't accept that maybe Natalie isn't willing to accept into mm-hmm. her like waking life. <laughs> and as the book goes on, she makes that part of her life, the focus and like for leaves the rest mm-hmm. of it behind the college and everything. And it's like, I'm going to live in this part of me because it, that mm-hmm. part of me is not welcome with in this domain. Yeah. So a lot of like already got one foot in the beyond you know and i think that like when we look back at like how her 
how Natalie's father has described like this consideration of suicide as like mm-hmm. you know like part a, of growing up you know a passing like, whim that you must experience to- tony is representative of that choice and i think that like what emotionally got to me about that part was like i think that if you've ever had a friend who has you know passed away through um a decision that they've made themselves mm-hmm. um you know, sometimes it's inexplicable, but also sometimes it's like I saw I saw them, you know, with one step past life, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it was impossible to. That was who they are, and I didn't. I, I'm not sure if I could have done anything to change it. Oh yeah, know? absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just that realization that like there was this thing in them. Um, and you couldn't like get to it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But okay, so we've gotten deep on Tony immediately, probably because we know Lindsay's paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think we got sentimental. That was for the the, the game. That was for the thrill of the game. Lin- Lindsay's put put on a second. That was for pair. the competition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lindsay has put on a second pair of glasses to yeah. more intently stare at us with, yeah. with these double layers. Um. But so, yeah, Tony is this. We kind of described her well as in her position in the school, and they do go on this trip. I think that's probably the important uh, mm-hmm. uh, event to talk about with the two of them. They go into town um, one morning, uh, just the two of them. It seems like uh, at this point, Natalie has checked out of school for some time. There's there's uh, an interaction where uh, Tony's like, oh, like you got a note um, saying you haven't been to class for two weeks. And she's like, oh, I haven't. So um, it seems like maybe she's not even... That's another reason I felt like maybe Tony was like some sort of uh, internal thing represented externally because it felt like she gets lost in something and is just ghosting through life. Um, but uh, so one morning she gets this notice that she hasn't been to school in two weeks. They have they're hanging out and uh, she's supposed to go in to talk to somebody, but they instead go into town on a trip with like the $15 she got when she was home for Thanksgiving, which was also a very awkward <laughs> scene and just like experience uh, mm-hmm. in the book that we didn't really talk about. But it's, it's interesting that she seems to come from some wealth um, mm-hmm. and like, and she's like, Oh, my parents aren't giving me any, any cash. And I'm in this little college and I don't know like how to get a job. <laughs> um but yeah i mean yeah she they they decide that they're they're going they're going to hop on a bus um and go see some some beautiful wilderness yes well at first it's just the the city um they kind of walk around they have they both love tarot cards and they have this little game where they like see something in life that reminds them of a tarot card and then they like test each other on what that card represents that's my understanding of their game. Which I think, yeah, you know, it's we like all little have pop fr- quizzes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we they all do have bits. friends like that now. Yeah, that's the honestly <laughs> the great thing about uh, Natalie and uh, uh, Tony is that they, they clearly are friends. They do bits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they're mm-hmm. having a fun day on the town. Yeah, they're um, like 100% bit. Yeah, kind of all the in, uh, internal conversations like with the inspector uh, that we see in the beginning that Natalie's just like, letting run in her own head she's found in tony like they just 
they don't even have to explain it. They're doing that all the time with each other, like creating this more interesting version of life or what's going on around Uh, them or who the people are around them. And that's really called, you know, psychologically speaking, that's called being gay. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, they don't say it in the book, but. I only took I only took Psych 101 and so I must not have gotten (laughs) to that that was probably like a later class yeah yeah yeah, I think it certainly certainly was a later class it's more advanced yeah yeah yeah, but so they're sort of gallivanting around town Um, I don't know did I miss anything you wanted to mention Grace um no, but not necessarily, but I do think, like, you know, she's finding some joy um, yeah. for one of the first maybe times Maybe for the, the first book. time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe the first time in the book. So it's yeah, nice Tony that she has like that moment. her actual yeah. first friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the closest re- relationship we see in this book, and certainly it seems to be the most fulfilling. Um, she describes uh, feeling safe, I think, at one point, and that's, like, a rare thing for her to say about... A, situation or a person um and they yeah they get coffee it's it's honestly very like a classic kind of college girls day out which is why it feels so weird like reading this book and and like all of the like these inner monologues and like the dissecting of how we interact with our family and how it feels to like kind of dissociate from the world around you and then they have this like perfect day like it's (laughs) it's like a little jarring it's kind of Um, what hot american summary where they they go into town and like yeah. it goes dark like it does here like yeah. a good time all that's of a true sudden. we do get to the dark Springfield is playing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go hang out at like the train station but not to like get on a train they just like like to feel kind of like they're in transit and they get food that was also like a, a sign of the effect that um, uh, Tony has had on Natalie is she's often described as like never eating or like gaunt or avoiding meals because she doesn't even want to go in the cafeteria and she like eats a ton on this day out so that feels healthier (laughs) um and that's kind of how it goes until things start to get weird when they're in the cafeteria together um and they're like kind of imagining that everyone they see around them has been like built for the purpose of like yeah uh their narrative like it becomes very solid solid i can never say this word yeah that word though (laughs) or whatever um Mm -hmm. and uh you know tony kind of i think propels them on on this idea that they're living in virtual reality basically yeah (laughs) um and just really takes it up (laughs) It's kind of like if if Morpheus in the Matrix like didn't have like the pills to like break them out of it, but just could be like, <laughs> yeah. look at this and that and the other thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so they start kind of ratcheting that up, um, and this man comes and sits with them, and that like bothers both Natalie and Tony. Like it kind of disrupts them that like someone enters their space. Um, and he's, yeah, he's, he's got one arm and he like asks them to help him eat. Basically it's, it's an interesting little moment that like changes the whole 
tone of their day. And Natalie clearly doesn't really want to like engage in the same kind of uh, bits <laughs> in front of him anymore once there's someone present. Um, and that seems to bother Tony. And then she kind of says like she's bothered that he was trying to like bring them into the larger world like and make it seem as if they're all part of this like big thing and they're not these like two like different people who uh, are maybe the most smart people in the world or whatever it is they're like imagining yeah it's like it, yeah it is interesting that like um they've started to view the world as there for as existing for their leisure um, mm -hmm. and like something that they're like almost in, maybe not in control of exactly, but like that they are like the, 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 it, the, they're the purpose, they're the purpose of. of, and then all of a sudden someone asks them to kind of have a different purpose of like, not just enjoying it. It's like a disabled person yeah. comes up and asks for help and they're like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, yeah. do you not realize I'm the main character? Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so after that, uh, that really kind of shakes Tony and she's like, do you want to go somewhere where that could never, ever happen again? <laughs> yeah. We could be alone. <laughs> she's like, uh, do you want to oh, just keep walking into the darkness with me? How's that? <laughs> Which, you know, yeah. is a very gay way to ask someone. <laughs> again we return to the to, if you have studied if you study gayness at all like, you can see the gay part of that you know gayness yeah. <laughs> um uh so yeah they tony's like let's get out of here but like would you be scared or would you want to do it like you have to tell me that you wouldn't be scared and you want to you're okay with it's going to be a long journey. And she's like, okay. Sure. Yeah, I don't <laughs> sure, know anything like, going on this I mean, afternoon. She's oh. like, I don't know if you mean that in like a real way or like a, like a fun way or, or what. <laughs> but yeah, so they hop on a bus and they're like squished on this bus. And the, the, like the way uh, Natalie seeing herself as like the protagonist of a video game ratchets up even another level. <laughs> where she sees all these people as like a boss battle mm -hmm. basically who have like all assembled and like uh they were all the people watching them all day who like changed costumes and then like got on the bus and they're yeah. like all right now she we're here panicked, you know she definitely second guesses mm -hmm. like is this the right thing that i'm doing and like kind of i think this is the mm -hmm. first time she asked tony that they should to go back or leave yeah and they also bring up this idea that kind of persists through the end of once uh, of like there's a protagonist and an a antagonist like in this world of theirs where they're the most important like they I have like my video game like enemy <laughs> um, who's created yeah, to they destroy have this me bit going um, from the bus where when they get on the bus they get separated it's like a very crowded bus and people are surrounding Natalie and Natalie feels like claustrophobic and attacked and like she'll never get out and then mm -hmm. she starts to have this like like break from reality where mm -hmm. it's like i'm in the like you guys were saying i'm in the matrix all of these people were engineered to do this like the woman in front of me right me, here she yeah. only has the back mm -hmm. of a head like they didn't even bother 
programming a face for her. And I'm pretty sure that I saw them from the cafeteria. Like these characters were being mm-hmm. reused and da da da. And yeah, it was like always heading towards this. Like headpieces, and they were like, okay, like the eagle's moving to the bus stop. And then they're yeah, all like, it's like okay, very okay, okay. Truman show. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're like, all right, everyone's going to get on the bus. And when she gets on, remember, we got to squish her. We're supposed to squish her. We got to separate her from Tony. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then they get off the bus, and Natalie's sort of like expressing that feeling. And she's, and th- she's like making light of it. Like, <laughs> I mean, all of these, like, enemies that I was like so easily able to <laughs> like so it makes me wish that like they would just create an ultimate nemesis that was like worthy of me and Tony's yeah. like oh do you mean that because <laughs> like if you're creating this world and you create a villain so smart that they can defeat you then they can defeat you and she's like yeah maybe I shouldn't create world <laughs> she's like oh yeah, maybe like, I shouldn't okay. be god oopsie <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm gonna tone back on she's my like, god in a very quick conversation she's like oh I understand why it's bad to play god um, yeah uh, and then that's when Tony's like, you want to get out of here? And mm. that's when they, you know, like they for real out of forest, here. You know, I, <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. which again, yeah, the, the do we have to line, say it? Yeah. <laughs> the end of the line is an abandoned amusement park called yeah. like Paradise Pier. Yeah, it's like Paradise Land or and something. It's at a lake. Mm-hmm. And there's like a roller coaster that's old and defunct. Um, and so she takes the whole time Natalie's on the bus. She's kind of asking like, Tony, like, is this, are we, are we there yet? And everyone laughs. No, but, um, uh, they, they keep going <laughs> fast every stop until they get to the end of the line. It's this, this weird amusement park. And Tony's like, yep, this is the place. And then they get off the bus and the bus driver's like, Hey, are you sure I'm never coming back? So <laughs> like, you maybe don't want to get off here. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I think that, um, and yeah, I think that Tony, you know, is like, I'm going to be the boss battle. Like, let's, let, let's see if you can, yeah. can get out from, from my final level, you yeah. know? And again, final level is historically a gay term, you know? Um, it, <laughs> we call it you hauling yeah. now, but, um, ah. <laughs> 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 uh. But yeah, it's almost like that conversation they have in the bus is when when she's like, yeah, maybe I wish there was an ultimate nemesis is Tony's moment to be like, she like kind of takes off her mask and she's like, well, (laughs) maybe there already is one. (laughs) That's that's Tony's like, I'm going to become the Joker moment. (laughs) (laughs) Joker eyes. She's like, I've been the Joker, but you've never seen me in my makeup. Uh, um so she they get off they they yeah like you said they go into the uh they tony leads her into the forest (laughs) um and they walk deeper and deeper into this dark uh just clustering of trees and she starts to lose tony completely and and now she's really natalie is like this feels not Mm -hmm. right (laughs) um yeah she's and and she's also like She's pretty afraid of just being in a forest for a little bit. Like, not to shit on Natalie, but, like, yes. honestly, like, it's, like, scary psychologically, well, but lost. it is kind of, like, yeah, it's just, like, a forest. Like, kind of chill out, you know? Well, I, well again. People get lost in forests. 
I think doesn't her first uh, the the dark thing that happens to her does that not happen in yeah, something of a forest a behind the make. house? That so. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that mm-hmm. could be sort of like whether or not she realizes because I'm sure she's trying to not ever think about it. Like that could be something that's playing into her like mm-hmm. feeling. Uh, her heart rate uh, ratcheting up um, and just wanting to kind of get out of the situation. And eventually she does kind of start to backpedal and she's like, okay, there's, there's this crazy moment where she calls out to Tony and Tony stops answering. And there was a great, I wish I could remember the phrasing of the line, but it's like, it, it was something about how like Tony like stopped even engaging in the, like the, agreement of like call and resp- like mm-hmm. responding to her own name and like that just yeah. showed that she was like no longer on the same level of like sanity like we weren't communicating yeah. on the same plane of thought anymore and i was like oh, that does that is scary like when someone you trust and is like someone who's supposed to be you're kind of holding their hand into this weird situation and all of a sudden they're not even answering you and they've led you it's just they're taking power in a really yeah, scary for way sure. and like, <laughs> um, Tony vanishes for the first time and then Natalie finds this like clearing right and then Mm -hmm. um Tony's back and Natalie's like have you been here before and Tony's like this was made for us and we're like oh what's (laughs) gonna happen now they're like she's like remember the matrix (laughs) it was made for us it didn't exist before we got here and now it's here have you forgotten how everything's the matrix (laughs) (laughs) but Yes, um, and so they're there, and uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's kind of where Natalie finally breaks from Tony after mm-hmm. having kind yeah. of she chooses not to herself. be gay. Yeah, yeah. She, she 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 turns her back, but like maybe more seriously, she's she does, I think, realize that she has been entering molds that other people have created for her this whole time. Her father did it. Um, the, the, the group with the professor and Vicky and Anne and Elizabeth did put her in a mold. And then she was kind of like following Tony on this path to like death and the beyond and like past like the, the consciousness and life she's led. Um, mm-hmm. And then she's kind of like, psych, see ya. No, she's not like that. But she is like, I can't do this no more. Can I leave? And Tony's like, I will see if I let you leave. And then uh, like a page later, Tony's like, well, yeah, you could have always left. Yeah, like, she's, oh, I mean, on. it's true. She's kind of like, no one's going to hold you back. And at that mm-hmm. moment, yeah, uh, Natalie's like, oh, I can just, I can go. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I want to go and I will go. Yeah. Um, so she does turn back and we don't know what becomes of the little clearing in the forest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or Tony. Tony just kind of like, the way that's described is interesting because they don't say that Tony walks off into the forest exactly. You know, she's there and Natalie's leaving and, but like, it's like, even though she's walking further away, so it makes sense that like like Tony's getting further away, Tony all of a sudden is just like gone, like it's faded into the darkness, and it's there. As if and, and the Matrix and, just un- unloaded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Deleted her file, mm-hmm. um, and, and file not found like, on Tony. This will be the last time. I think that I think the moment that best goes to your interpretation, Julie. Uh-huh. You know, mine is just like this is about like 
basically about, um, you know, anti-gay therapy, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's basically proposing you yeah. can't, you can choose not to be gay. I th- so, yeah. So I think the point that goes m- m- most clearly that supports best your idea that Tony is a figment of mm-hmm. um, Natalie's creation to represent a part of herself that she wasn't comfortable expressing just through her own psyche is mm-hmm. that Tony like vanishes yeah. and Natalie specifically is like this will be the last time I ever see Tony right. you know like for sort of says that. that like she has kind of agency over over yeah the over Tony's existence, existence almost yeah. you know um, but I will say that I I do think Tony exists and Tony was trying to get Natalie to be a big lesbian and Natalie <laughs> decided to not. And I disagree with that. I think Natalie is gay. Um and I think that um you know Shirley Jackson should have liked gay people more. And I think that um you know end of the day uh it's a bummer that you know tony set up this great date in a forest um, <laughs> in a clearing and yeah, it seemed, it just, seemed like, super fun you know just just left they had such a nice day together they and had like, such a wonderful kill. day they, together they, and then bam you know they were on like an eight hour bus ride yeah. minimum like, I feel not like that to- big a deal. tony had a picnic out, out there that she was just about to grab <laughs> but then natalie had to leave She's like, sit down in this clearing. We're gonna listen to the to ev- like the new Taylor Swift yeah. album Evermore. <laughs> um, I, um, but yeah, so she does leave her in that moment, and then uh, gets picked up by just some drivers that see her wandering in the dark, and like fully puts that part of her or that person behind her, mm-hmm. um, and they drive her back to college, and she has one last moment where she's walking by a bridge where she kind of like peers over before we get to that like when she's in the car with this like with these characters that she at first uh, mistakes she's like oh maybe this is my mom and dad looking for me and then she's like oh (laughs) nope I guess not um (laughs) they're like you know yeah we picked you up because like a lot of like young ladies get attacked out here and she's like oh man they do i should have thought of that um and um which is you know kind of like i you know she's like yeah i mean i've been attacked but um she yeah she gets to the bridge and she's like oh this is the place i could kill myself if i wanted (laughs) she's like oh my god i I forgot about this place here's here's the place yeah (laughs) yeah no, for yeah. later. Yeah. But she's that. like, no, I'm I'm ready to take on college now. I'm going to call my dean. Let's do this. And, <laughs> I'm going to restructure my schedule. Yeah. I'm going to take on a few electives. And then All Star by Smash Mouth starts to play. <laughs> and she's like excited to like go back into yeah. academia. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the book. That's the book. <laughs> So now... Well, I'm sorry to say that you're both wrong. That's not that's the book. That's not the oh, book. No! Okay, so... Li- You've both failed Lindsay, class. Lindsay, you, you have the opportunity now <laughs> to ask us whatever questions mm-hmm. you'd like. And then after this pop quiz of sorts, you'll decide which one of us had the best yeah. opinions about the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so neither of you were 100% right. I'm sorry okay. to say. Um, so here's what I will ask... To determine, though, who is closest okay. to right. Okay. What we failed to touch upon, and what I think is a very big aspect of the book, 
is the little thefts going on in the girls' oh, rooms gosh, I forgot about at the dorm. Mm-hmm. So somebody has been sneaking into people's rooms and stealing mm-hmm, things. Mm-hmm. And there's this girl named Rosalind mm-hmm. who at one point just like b- keeps barging into, um, oh my God, uh, Natalie's room <laughs> and is like very disdainful of the other girls. She's not being accepted. Everybody's mean to her. At one point she just like shows... Mm. Um, Natalie that she can just like walk into other people's rooms who was thieving I think you should start this one Julie (laughs) (laughs) I okay well I'm what I'm remembering is that is a huge part we didn't cover. And I'm remembering an interaction towards the end where uh, Natalie comes home from Thanksgiving and visits Rosalind's room and asks to borrow something. And then she thinks internally as it's... And Rosalind's kind of like pushes her off. Like she throws matches at her, whatever it is she wants. And internally, Natalie's like, she knows I'm the only one who knows. And like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. say anything, but like she knows I could say anything and they wouldn't believe uh, me um, so I, I feel like it is either Rosalind or that like Rosalind and Tony are some sort of like combination <laughs> of a person uh, I, uh, uh, who are stealing some uh, from the girls and like Rosalind doesn't want to acknowledge that there's that part of her or something like that I know that that's what I'm hmm. going this is interesting because I wonder if like Rosalind is doing these little thefts or witnessing these thefts you know like Mm -hmm. um that's my big big question like if rosalind has this knowledge because she's she sees these things happen but Mm -hmm. she's not actually doing this um Mm -hmm. so i i'm gonna go with a dark horse candidate (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to say that i think um I think that Oh, I just had another thought. Think, oh well, I, too I late. think that I know <laughs> the other thing is I know that Vicky and Anne stole stuff for their their house too. Um mm-hmm. and and that's established. So mm-hmm. we got, we we have some thievery um rampant in these girls dorms. Um I'm going to say I think Rosalind is the obvious choice, but I also think that because of her relationship with Natalie and because of Natalie's kind of like similar perspective, I'm just going to say Natalie. I'm just going to go, go, go for it. Can I, <laughs> I, you don't have to count this because I already gave an answer, but can I say my other thought before you say who you think just in case? <laughs> go ahead, Julie. Yeah. My other thought that I had is maybe it's uh, Elizabeth would make sense to me. Ooh, um, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense because she wants to get interesting. She had this part of her life taken away from her too too soon, mm-hmm. and she's on campus and yeah. sort of just there's a there's a whole lot of uh, to unpack there that mm. would make sense to me. Um, but anyway, so the answer is one of two things. 
it's either <laughs> both Rosalind and Natalie have been stealing. Mm-hmm. That Natalie began stealing after she found out people were stealing. Mm. And it was Rosalind getting back at all the students who had been mean to her and wouldn't like right. let her be in on it right because we didn't go into that too much either but Rosalind comes in early Mm -hmm. on in the book and Mm -hmm. says like all these other girls suck right like you and me we're the two people that Mm -hmm. and Natalie's like no thank you I don't want to be your friend you are Natalie's like I'm sorry you're the loser not we're the losers no definitely not I'm not in on this with you Uh, we are not allies Um, so Rosalind frames Natalie Mm-hmm. That is the scene where somebody wakes her up in the night and is saying, little girl, little girl, mm-hmm. which we also didn't touch on, where Natalie is having yes. like a full breakdown. In this part of the book, we don't know what is up or down. Yeah, I think either <laughs> Rosalind was planting stuff in Natalie's room mm-hmm. or... Natalie was doing the stealing because it is made clear that nobody had stolen from her. So it's either Rosalind mm-hmm. was leaving her in touch because Natalie was never mean to her or Natalie has been doing the stealing and Rosalind rats her out for clout. Oh, Rosalind. So, te- so technically... <laughs> we're both well, right. No, no, no. Technically, we're not both right. Because <laughs> what Lindsay just said is it could be Rosalind and Natalie or just Natalie. Mm-hmm. And I said Or Natalie. just Rosalind. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying, okay. You, so okay. there's three possibilities. I would like to be clear. You said there were two possibilities at first. And then you were <laughs> Yeah, and then while I was talking, I was like, bleh. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's either only Rosalind, only Natalie, or the combination of the so two. So we both are, are right in, in a way. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. But, so, but what we didn't get to is that Natalie is caught with things mm-hmm. in her room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Is possibly taken to some sort of jail or institution because there's that whole scene where out of nowhere and after something else that is a part of the pop quiz, <laughs> Natalie starts to have an identity crisis. And she is like, what if it turns out I'm not Natalie Waite? I've just had this hallucination of being mm-hmm. Natalie Waite. And right now I'm in a mental institution and the nurses keep trying to bring me in and out of it. And when I say things like, oh, I I can't today, Elizabeth, I have class or whatever it mm-hmm. is she's saying, they're like, which stage is she in now? And they're like waving. And the end of the chapter goes like this. The worst, the frightful conviction of perhaps being in reality no more than Natalie Waite, college girl, daughter to Arnold, and unable to brush away the solidity of this world, but forced to deal with it as actual and dreary. Yet then, why, if this were true, the sudden, sharp, sympathetic picture of the white walls and the nurse coming closer? Mm -hmm. Why the graphically remembered room with the iron bedstead, the sure knowledge of the moment to slip the poison Mm -hmm. into the cup, the remembered pain? Why, above all, the constant, unusual shock of the sound of her own name said aloud? Natalie had a breakdown Mm -hmm. after it was discovered that all these things were in her room. Mm -hmm. And there's that part where, at some point, she's like, by the way, I got rid of all my furniture. Yeah, she's like dangling her trash can out the window. Because I needed room. (laughs) Yeah, and she's dangling the trash can out the window. She's like, I needed room to move in my room. 
And then they just like took the furniture away because they were mad that I'd put it outside. Mm -hmm. Nay, they took away all her things so she couldn't store stolen goods. Mm, Okay. So that's why all of a sudden everybody hates Natalie and everybody likes Rosalind. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because remember, all of a sudden she's like very popular. Yeah. Which is, and that's and she why always she has an image of Rosalind hanging out with people. And so that moment where Rosalind's like, here, you can borrow my matches. I have plenty. Mm-hmm. Natalie's like, you bitch. I know that it was you who mm-hmm. told them I stole all that shit. I don't need your fucking matches. Yeah. <laughs> and like rips them up outside and leaves. So she's had this breakdown. And then it's after that that she makes friends with Tony because Tony is the only one who will have her after that. Mm-hmm. that so that's seems what like happened you, uh, with the stolen things. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> the reading comprehension and that's why here. when she goes home, her mom says, by the way, I haven't told your father. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, what? What are you talking about? Haven't told your father what? And Natalie's like, you haven't? She's like, No. But we're never told what that's about. Yeah. It's just this conversation that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And you're like, what? That makes a lot of sense. So that's what it was about. I never told your father that you had a breakdown after they discovered a bunch of stolen stuff in your room. Damn. And that's the plot well, look line at me with, with the egg on things. my face. <laughs> yeah, I kind of interpreted um, when everyone was suddenly mad at her and that breakdown... Um, well, first of all, I didn't see it as as literal as you. And I also thought that it was kind of like just a result of her being out of favor with this group that she had been. Um, but I think your interpretation sounds right to me. Um, yeah, you're doing a great you. job. Right. I think you just... <laughs> it, it makes sense of a lot of the things that I wrote down. Is like, well, why did they say that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, whenever I say I'm right, I'm being ironic. I know that there is like plenty of interpretations mm-hmm. that could be right, but for the purpose of this podcast, I am. Yeah, right. certainly I, for the purpose of this podcast, you are correct. Yes, and so so are we. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so why? <laughs> How do I phrase this? How do I want to put it? the best test we've gotten thus thus far yeah this is intense this is the most it's more like essay questions i apologize (laughs) because it's such a heady book um okay what why (laughs) does why and when and wherefore how do natalie Natalie's relationship... Okay, okay. Now I know how to phrase it. Natalie's relationship to the Langdons change. Why? Hmm. I think her relationship to the Langdons changed because she started viewing them as tragic instead of aspirational. And I think she she saw that um, when Elizabeth was basically... I think trying to force her to become like a shadow of herself, you know, and Elizabeth was already very sad. So trying to be in the, like trying to be forced into the employ of someone who was already incredibly depressed, I think showed her that this love and obsession and idea um, 
that she might have had, um, uh, like, with any optimism she had before this, uh, was gone. I, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I do think a part, what I would say about the, the way that her ch- relationship changes to the Langdons, I, I think it has, it has to have something to do with her father too um, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's so much uh, about like Arthur and her father uh, kind of going back and forth wanting to know each other and talk to each other. Um, and I think it's so hard for her as that goes on to separate mm-hmm. Her, her, her dad and Arthur are a little similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the more she sees her mom in uh, Elizabeth and her dad and Arthur, it's like, you can't go back from that <laughs> um, yeah. once you see your parents in, in two other people. Um, yeah, I, th- I think more than that, too. You know, her mother uh, had warned her of getting into a similar situation that she had been. But yeah. her dad is writing the, her letters like, martinis are wonderful. It's great that they served you martinis. Um, mm-hmm. This is why a martini is important. Um, right. So he, yeah, everybody, yeah. every girl needs to create her yeah. college personality yeah. through the medium of martini. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and also, uh, her, dad's, her dad's interest in Arthur and their mutual interest in each other makes it feel like, you know, this also was part of something her dad wanted to happen like that he orchestrated like them even having a relationship feels like oh yeah like uh it's just another thing that he he would claim to have controlled like yes, in her. Yeah, that um, makes sense so that's a shade of it at least for me okay you're both well-written answers um, <laughs> incorrect <laughs> god we're getting f's across the, the board today correct answer is because they had a lesbian moment together when she put mm. her to bed. Wow. Wow, we that is after her all the first gay experience. After all the gay we talked about today. I know. You were wrong. That's not when the gay chapter started. I, it started here. I don't think it was gay. Because mm, but you're wrong. The, no. <laughs> I don't think it was especially gay because um elizabeth was really like super all drunk and um i think that like it wasn't you can't be if you're drunk you can't be gay um i think it's pretty well known um so that's what i put forth but i respect your interpretation Mm. it's not even necessarily that elizabeth was gay Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm but that Natalie had a gay moment with Elizabeth. Mm, mm. So I will read and you will, <laughs> it will make it clear why this is my interpretation, which again, unfortunately is correct. <laughs> it was the first time Natalie had ever visited the Langdon's bedroom. And while she had never been shocked at the twin beds in the bedroom of her mother and father, which we talked about this part. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Maintaining at night a space of floor between himself and Elizabeth. Are you comfortable? Natalie asked. Is there anything I can do for you? Good night, Elizabeth said, and held up her face for Natalie to kiss her. Hesitantly, Natalie moved around the foot of Arthur Langdon's bed and to the side of his wife's bed and femininely kissed Elizabeth (laughs) upon the forehead. Good night, Natalie said. Sleep well. Good night, darling, Elizabeth said. Good night, darling, Natalie said. She tiptoed around the foot of Arthur's bed and stood for a minute looking at Elizabeth already asleep in her bed before she turned out the light. That is pretty gay. So I'm not saying they had 
an actual like right sexual moment together but it was a like Plan gay feeling Natalie was so having fine. because she like it's like so specific that she goes to Arthur's side of the bed mm-hmm. and is like play acting as Arthur mm-hmm. a little bit and Elizabeth is like won't let her leave until she kisses her goodnight and then she kisses her on the forehead and shit is weird between them for the rest of the book like it says when she's at that party and she's feeling very uncomfortable that Elizabeth has been trying on this different personality Mm-hmm. with her mm-hmm. and it's like weird and uncomfortable and they're not really friends anymore and then she natalie leaves the party to get some air and tony happens by and says hello and elizabeth comes out and sees her talking to tony and natalie starts to worry oh no does she think that i arranged a meeting with tony in the mm-hmm. middle of her party mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. elizabeth is being very weird about it and so it like there's like a baby love triangle for a hot minute hell yeah and then she doesn't see the langdons (laughs) anymore and then the whole thing because they keep bringing up the langdon when they're having their like girls day out together with all of the bits yeah and they don't and they keep incorporating a langdon into their bits like oh did you hear about langdon uh so pathetic like isn't it sad how she thinks this or right or oh, is she the langdon find dog was there <laughs> and she was like hopping all over yeah every time they do a bit a langdon character character gets introduced and it's always a she it's not him mm-hmm. it's elizabeth so they're constantly making a mockery of elizabeth because elizabeth scorned natalie is mm-hmm. my feeling like mm-hmm. Natalie was cut out because they had that weird gay moment together and now she's gay with Tony and they make fun of Elizabeth all the time they bond so over that's making, why making they fun of the first friends. GF I think that is you <laughs> mm-hmm. know like the basic unit of lesbian relationship which is <laughs> bonding over shitting on an ex you know like and just <laughs> exactly and that's why I think you know like not to like get all like w- w- wise old owly, but um, <laughs> oh, don't you don't you become an owl right I, here? I, I do think <laughs> that you should consider that when entering into relationships. I'm speaking maybe more specifically, you know, to some of my younger trans lesbian mutuals that you should really take a breath um, <laughs> and, you know, consider. Because I see your tweets. I Everyone can read your tweets. I, <laughs> I, I just really think you ought to, you ought to consider what the basis <laughs> of uh, uh, your next relationship is going to be. And if it's just shitting on uh, your last relationship, which I see you do on Twitter, um, you know, maybe that's the, the fate of this next one. So just consider yeah. that. Consider who you may become in mm-hmm, the narrative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and what you're creating. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. What <laughs> what you've wrought. And also, lastly, um, do not DM me for advice about this. I'm, vi- I'm very busy. <laughs> um, and I don't have time. This and as is you priceless. said, you do yeah, not this- want... <laughs> To become yeah, wise old owl. This is priceless <laughs> yes. advice. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I don't have any time to, to add anything else. Um, but I wish you well. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do the there, homework. Despite us failing your test, is there some some way you feel you can 
divine nonetheless yes. who had at least marginally less if you can t- if you need to take oh. a moment that's fine well i had one more one more oh, question, one question more. but yes. you guys did already answer it in yourself so like you were like what happened to tony who is okay. tony mm-hmm. here's my bat shit answer <laughs> tony was real natalie killed tony in the woods and left mm. oh because this is based on the real life disappearance of a girl but Natalie doesn't disappear. Mm-hmm. Who disappears? Tony. Yeah. Because Tony was like, let's get real. Let's U-Haul together. Let's admit we're lesbians. And Natalie was like, this is my nightmare. You have become my nemesis and must die because I cannot be gay. I refuse to be gay. I can't. I won't. I'm going to kill you. I agree you in the with woods. that. I think that's the right interpretation. <laughs> I honestly do. <laughs> I think and so it's not that Shirley Jackson is like you can choose not to be gay it's that this girl is so closeted that she would sooner kill someone than Mm -hmm. admit it yeah and I think that like she um she yeah she the description of Tony fading away and knowing that she won't see her again and having found her again and then all of a sudden she's gone that makes she's sense. gotten rid of her in some sense. <laughs> yes. Whatever mm-hmm. sense, yeah, you want that to we be. Know, we know for a certain that in a metaphysical sense, she's gotten rid of yeah. her. And the idea that it's in a literal sense also makes sense. Uh, and then that would like more add up to the fact that it's a horror novel, too. Because, like, <laughs> to be fair, a lot of the rest of the book has been scary and goofy. But, like, like it, leading up to a murder makes kind of, like, <laughs> meta sense from, like, the idea that it's a horror novel, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the end of the book. That's who disappears. As to who won. And you can base it on on anything. Any whim. Whatever you want to do. And if you need to take a moment, feel free. Feel free. I'm going to say, just because it's the strongest deviation from my very correct interpretation of the book, (laughs) I'm going to say Grace has won this. Simply because she agrees that Tony was real. I had a feeling you were going to say that. I think Tony was real. Tony was in her mind. But Um. it's interesting because Stephen King loved Shirley Jackson, and Danny had an imaginary friend named Tony who was himself from the future. So, so maybe I, Stephen King I read agrees this with book you. From unfortunately, the I do not. Stephen King. <laughs> Stephen King. I forgot to mention that I was speaking from the perspective of yeah. Stephen King. <laughs> from a Stephen King critical lens. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. Um, I thought that's what we were all going into this with. Um, yeah. No, I'm sorry. I guess I should have said that up top. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, you should always clarify what kind of criticism you're going for. Is it a Stephen King criticism? Yeah. Is it not? <laughs> Which other author are you viewing? Yeah. This <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But so well, for that reason. I will say Grace is one, even though you're both wrong. That's great. I think it's now like eight to two. Uh, Like I've gotten eight, like eight wins, and we. This was a really pivotal match because we we were trying to figure out if. the reasons that, that, I, that I was losing. winning so much was because I was booking most of the guests, but Julie booked <laughs> you. But we had another recording earlier this week with with the great Ellery Smith, and 
um, Julie booked her too, and Julie won. So and we were honestly, wondering, like, undeservedly so. I won that episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, it was truly weird because, like, Julie doesn't do stand up. We were talking about Bourne standing up, and I really bared oh. my heart out in that episode. And oh, no. Julie just <laughs> won the point. But, but no, this, okay, this, so this is good. This, this proves that it's not this just because I'm booking people, <laughs> I'm just good at arguing. Yeah. <laughs> my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad we've uh, reached this uh, conclusion. Honestly, it, I was worried because I was worried another variable was entering our scientific process and the yeah. like subconscious var- bar- variable of like wanting to be polite to the person who invited you on the podcast. And, yeah, I, and I'm, glad, really I'm glad to know it things. isn't that. It's just who is smart and who's dumb, which is what we were searching I, yeah. for all the time. <laughs> Um, so, which is so the now, conceit of the podcast. Who, who I am now, in that equation, we don't need to get into it, but it's, it, that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> now comes the point of the of the show where you tell us if you think we read the book, and then we reveal if we did. Oh, I definitely think that you both read the book. I did not. Uh, <laughs> I read. I read maybe I fifteen so pages. Tell. I, I read I read like a smattering of pages throughout the novel, and then there's also like a three paragraph Wikipedia summary. Um, I so. could tell because I, I spent five hours of my life for this <laughs> podcast, and you spent nothing. I spent maybe Julie twenty minutes. Julie takes it. I take it back. You are no, stripped you of your powers. You simply wow. cannot do that. I'm having you both cost. on Teen Creeps, and even though Teen Creeps is not competitive, you will lose, Grace. You have lost. The game is rigged. Well, I do feel like just as we were saying this, I was like, "Oh my god!" I bet Grace didn't read it, and I just handed it to her. But then I was like. No, because of the forest. She knew of the forest. Even though, like, Wikipedia exists, you dumbass, Lindsay. I should have known. I should have known. Right at the edge, I was like, oh, no. I'm I'm really quite proud of my performance in this this episode. Because I I spent, like, 20 minutes. I thought I was going to... I thought this was the one that I was really going to fuck up on. But I really was able to just kind of, you know extrapolate I, and I could kind of tell I don't know if you could tell that book. I could tell because I kept trying to hand it off to you to describe yes, the yes, plot yes I could tell but Julie God, you simply so didn't go hard podcast. enough you simply didn't go what you so should have done what you should have done was pretend to have forgotten something and then ask me to fill in the hole you're right you're right I just because that's what I, didn't, I do what, I, I do that to you sometimes. Yes. But <laughs> I've genuinely not forgot, not, not read so it. It's so hard, though, because this is such a dreamy, heady book. You can kind of so say. open to interpretation <laughs> yeah. that you can really get away with it in this one. Because, like, very few things happen. And the narrator is not telling us about them. It is a very unreliable narrator. Yes. Yeah, the, the professor, the Elizabeth, all of that stuff, I knew nothing of it. I knew no, nothing of it. I hate this podcast. I'm never coming back. I feel that... 
I am the loser, <laughs> the true loser of no, this podcast. I mean, if, I think I've maybe you feel that way, but I think maybe the loser is me. <laughs> I, I mean, I oftentimes do not finish the book. Mm-hmm. Or, Actually, or, <laughs> here's the true loser is Grace simply because you've robbed yourself of the enjoyment of this novel. See, here's, yeah, see, here's the issue I keep having is I lose every time I read the book. And I've never, I've never, I've not yet not read the book. Um, uh, but every time I, I think about it, like the, when Grace asked me to do this podcast, I was very excited because I hadn't read books from of my own like volition Ever? in a while. I just hadn't, I'd like had a break from reading, and I was really upset about it. Mm-hmm. So I was so excited to read. Every time I think about not reading the book, I'm like, but I want to. That was the whole point. I want to read more, and so I do it. <laughs> I would also like to be clear. I'm reading other stuff. Oh, I know. Like, I, Grace is extremely I, I, busy I, right I, now I, as well. I, I am doing doing other things, but the, you know, the kind of like basic concept of the show was like the the joy of finding out yeah. if we read it. And I've been like just fucking beating Julie like a drum yep. by not not reading these books for the most part. I've read all, I've read wow. about half of the books, and I haven't read about wow. half. This of was the books. one I got closest to. I really speed mm-hmm. read a lot of it today um mm-hmm. but oh, Lindsay, are you boy. sincerely disappointed honestly yeah i I'm, <laughs> I'm really i'm not happy about this at all i didn't know this was an option <laughs> i think yeah i didn't mention that it's it's um yeah grace is you kind said, of a mastermind I'm disappointed. You said, said, Lindsay, that you listened to an episode of this podcast. And at the end of each episode, we do do this. Mm -hmm. I didn't listen to multiple episodes. (laughs) And I didn't finish a series of unfortunate Uh, events, which was the episode I listened to. You did the same thing. You claim Mm -hmm. to have listened to an episode. (laughs) Did you guys ask me to listen to an episode? No. No. I, of my own accord, listened to some of an episode so that I would be prepared and know like the general format so that I would be a better guest for you guys you, because you that's the great. kind of work that I put into podcasting and art form. Here's, here's the thing that, that I'll I say though, practice. and I don't know why I'm defending Grace here, but she did give the, the, the analysis of the book that you more agreed with. So did she not uh, yeah, do what I she did. needed to do to be prepared? I did a good job. Mine was a random (laughs) choice, however, because I could have handed it to Julie. No, it wasn't a random choice. You explained your choice. There was logic to your choice. Okay, this is not part of the podcast. (laughs) We need to... Mm -hmm. Now we fight about who wins the podcast format, (laughs) not simply who wins the podcast conceit. <laughs> and we all and, and both Julie and I think that we have lost and Grace has won in all respects. Yes. That is the ultimate conclusion, I think. I think I no think, one would argue. I I mean I I'll, I I also I'll be honest, when when I was in high school, this worked like a charm, you know, like this strategy that I've employed mm-hmm. on this podcast. You See, know, that's I the read, thing. I and read, this strategy also worked like a charm for me in high school and I'm learning 
Not so much now. <laughs> I read a lot of um, books when I was in high school that weren't assigned. And so I read some of the assigned books. I, I, I loved Things Fall Apart. I loved The Plague. I loved, I loved a lot of the books you we read. You don't need to uh, prove that you can read. But, but I'm just saying. Yeah, I believe but, you read. <laughs> I will say this. You're it a really, smart person. <laughs> it fell apart in college. I really was not able to continue the grift uh, into like junior <laughs> year. The first couple of years I got nearly straight A's and then after that when we really had to dive in, dive in I wrote an essay about how I didn't think Dracula was actually a vampire and I got a D plus like <laughs> because one thing that I had learned was if you, the bigger the swing the more likely they're going to believe you've read the book so that's a strategy that I employ too. Like just really just going for mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is like a talking to a this master the talk thief. Back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. About my, my philosophy. Um, What's funny is I also got away with this in school. It's just that like, I guess I respect you guys more than you respect me. <laughs> but <Wow>. that's fine. <laughs> Well, I should have uh, known. You're the only one in this chat without twinkly lights in the background, and so you're nefarious. That's true. I do not. I do not have string lights in the back. I have them in my living room, but I don't have them in my office because it's a professional space. Um, and uh, it's not for dalliances and listen. Whimsy. I'm having. I'm having meetings. With, with Adult Swim and Bento Box, <laughs> and I need them to take me seriously. So I have the big mm, booby. I write for I have Rick the big and Morty. Bo- I can't have lights up in my room. I have the big booby Batgirl. I've got the, the Darth Vader um, bobblehead. I have this guitar, which is M's. It's my fiance's. It's not mine. I have a plant. It's very professional. I can't have fucking string It definitely string suggests lights. coolness. Whereas well, I suggest that I live in a Christmas shop. That's true. I love Christmas. <laughs> a year-round Christmas shop. I am obsessed shop. with Christmas. Um, but I'm trying to, like, make it special, you know? Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Lindsay has I'm a... I'm trying to Jesus, make the pandemic we're really, special. We're really going Look, everywhere. Well, I, Folks, I want to say that I like you very much, Grace. I like you very much, But I am mad say. and will be mad forever. That's, that's okay. I'm, I'm excited to go on t- <laughs> Teen Creeps and maybe or maybe not read the book. I, <laughs> No, you're not. You're not coming on the podcast. I'm so sorry. I'll have to create a podcast that has nothing to do with reading, just so I can invite you on for an episode and trust that we will be real with each other. But it shall not be Teen Creek. I love. No, I like young, young adult horror. Mm. I do. Mm, I, do you, or are you lying to me again? <laughs> Well, <laughs> I would read the book. If you had me on Teen Creeps, I would read the book. Okay, because we have had a couple of times where they didn't read the book, and it was like, hmm, <laughs> interesting choice. I, re- I remember, so like almost two years ago, ja- my friend Jamie Loftus was in town, and she was getting ready for to record an episode of Teen Creeps. And she was just like, whenever we were not shooting, she was like, I got to... Because it's serious. She was like, they were like, you have to read the book. And I was like, okay. <laughs> we probably very recently had someone on who didn't read the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, so I was like, let me be clear. <laughs> so I'm glad that she followed that. It's good to know that she was actually doing that. Because if not, she definitely fooled us as well. Certainly, yeah. <laughs> name names. Who hasn't read? 
I can't. <laughs> okay, okay. Although I will say there was somebody who came on our other podcast. Oh, we should revive public domain theater and you can do that one because you're forced to read in real time with us. <laughs> um, we did an episode of public domain theater where we read a short story aloud from the public domain and we respond to it and react to it and interrupt each other with bits, kind of like a live mystery science theater 3000 for the public domain. And this girl was like, when it wasn't her turn to read, looking at Twitter. <laughs> that is so bizarre. And she was such a fucking energy suck <laughs> that we didn't bother releasing the episode. And she seems not to have noticed because she clearly had no respect for us ever. Okay, wow. so here's and my so proposal. And so that episode will never be here's released. my proposal. We do what we must do. And in this moment, we bond over the hatred of this other... Other person. person. Wow. I can get We're on all board together with now. This. All right, folks. This 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 was competitive literature. Our guest Lindsay Katai was awesome. Uh, we we talked about the thank you to Shirley Jackson. Thank you to our editor uh, Isaac Taylor. Who I we've we've got a we've got a this is the first episode we're thanking him on because he's he's our editor oh gosh, editor yes. now. Uh, and uh, listen to Teen Freaks. Uh, Lindsay's awesome podcast. Teen Freaks. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Did I just mess it up? Teen creeps, yeah. Teen creeps. I'm sorry. It's all right. You said it correct earlier. I know Teen that you creeps. know it. I know that you all know right. the name. This has been the has first been... and maybe last conversation between Lindsay and Grace. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody, have, 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 um, have a good one. Bye bye. Thanks for having bye. me.